Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. We are getting so close to the actual uh, date of the anniversary of uh, Jesus' birth, just a few days away. So good to be together and celebrate together. We're going to continue that celebration tonight. We've got uh, music here. We've got some special guests, but we're going to celebrate again Jesus here tonight exclusively uh, through music. So join us here. For those of you at home, we will be online not only this morning, but uh, the concert tonight will be online as well. Merry Christmas to all of, uh, of you guys at home. And then Christmas Eve, we'll gather again here to celebrate uh, that evening before the anniversary of Jesus' birth together. Uh, God's love in sending his son into this world. So uh, join us again on, uh, on, on that evening. So we've been in a series here for three weeks that everybody has a story to tell. You, you maybe recall we started with Mary. Quite a story. Young woman got her life planned and all of a sudden Gabriel shows up and said, guess what? You get to be the mother of the Messiah. Now, the way Luke conveys that, you remember, she ain't thrilled. But she says, hey, if that's what God wants, then I'll do it. And she gets to go see her cousin Elizabeth, and through that exchange and encounter, uh, God moves her along that path of faith, and she comes to embrace this idea that she, in fact, gets to be the mother of the Savior. Then last week, we looked at a, a, a bunch of people. We looked at Joseph, who had what I think we would assume is the response that most men who are engaged to a woman who comes and tells them that they're pregnant and they knew they weren't involved, he's going to split. The angel comes to him, says, hey, 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 what's happening is a miracle. This is, in fact, God. We saw the Jewish people who'd been waiting for centuries for the Savior to come. The news travels that the Savior is here, and they're more worried about the implications in their life and the politics of the day. You got the religious leaders who were, quite frankly, indifferent. They have nice lives. They're, 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 they're getting paid. They're comfortable. Hey, the Messiah is here, but oh. we have Herod. Herod, he sees this as a threat. The king of the Jews has been born. What are the implications for him? He really likes his life being in charge. He really likes being in control. And so he goes to, to try and get rid of uh, that baby Jesus. And then we, I think, have the hero of the story in Matthew's mind, the Magi. These Gentiles who don't know that much about Jesus, but here's the key. They're open to considering. They're open to thinking about it. They're open to looking at the facts. And they end up worshiping the Messiah. This morning, we're going to finish it by looking at the in crowd. Those people who were right there. Those people who displaced Jesus Mary and Joseph from having a room because they were sitting in the rooms. 
And there was nothing left for Mary and Joseph. So Jesus went and was born in a barn. Here's how Luke tells the stories. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. She gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Heavenly Father, at this season, we pause. We pause to reflect, to meditate, to contemplate your extraordinary gift of love, the gift of your son, this baby Jesus. I pray as we talk today, as we sing today, as we celebrate today, I pray as always that you will take our minds and our hearts to the center of your heart that motivated you to send them into this world. That's my prayer, Father, that this Christmas would be our most meaningful Christmas because your spirit continues to work in our lives. That's my prayer, Father. I ask this for me. I ask this for all here gathered. We ask this in the name of Jesus, the baby. So, we're going to talk about the in crowd today. Those folks who were right there, but relatively oblivious to what happened. I've often wondered, what in the world? Did those folks ever figure it out? Those folks who, who, who because they were sitting in those hotel rooms, Barry and Joseph had no room, so they had to go to a barn. Did they ever, years later, hear the story and go, I was there. I was there. The reason he didn't have a hotel room is because we were in that hotel. With those folks, as they went through life, did any of them ever ponder this? Did they ever figure it out? Another way to ask this question, are we going to see in heaven any of the folks that were right next door to the birth of Jesus? That's what I want to talk about today is for all of us to really enjoy Christmas, for all of us to really get it. We've got to take the journey that those folks who were in the inn had to take to really understand the meaning of Christmas. Though they were so close to it, they were oblivious. So what's that road from being in the in crowd to actually being on the in crowd? Those who really get the meaning. Those who at Christmas time, there's this meaning and truth that fills not just our heads, but our hearts. 
Because the reality is we all start at indifference. We all start not really caring, not really knowing. These folks that were in that inn had no idea what was going on next door. My sense is Christmas is the most celebrated holiday in the year. But there's a bunch of folks who have no idea it's really about Jesus. Santa Claus, whatever it becomes in their tradition. But they're celebrating Christmas. Just about everybody around the world celebrates Christmas. But there are so many that have no idea what it's about. Then there are some, and I think this would be, boy, I'm guessing, a good share of the people in our country. They heard this story about the baby being born. They know his name is Jesus. They heard this blah, 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 born of a virgin. She rode a donkey. Uh, you, you know, the innkeeper in most of our, our children's plays particularly, uh, he gets a primary role. The innkeeper is a big deal. Now, you notice from the text, he's not actually even mentioned. But if we got a play and a drama, we're going to make this. But they've heard the story, but it really hasn't connected the meaning of this. Then, I, quite frankly, I think still among those who are indifferent are those who are very familiar. Now, I'd put myself growing up in that last character, character group. I don't ever remember a day when I didn't understand that Christmas was about the birth of Jesus. I don't ever remember not knowing that. I still remember growing up as a kid and you had these two stories. I still remember it didn't cause me any tension that there was Santa Claus and a baby Jesus. It's just the way Christmas was. It didn't trouble me until I started to get in like junior high. And then eventually I figured out one of those stories was not actually true. And if you're a young person here, I don't want to get in any trouble with any, any kids. But, but, but it wasn't until then. I'm going to tell you, I was in my early 20s. Before what we're celebrating actually meant something to me. I had the facts. I could have told you the story. I got it quoted the Bible verses. I could have gotten it accurately. But my heart being touched by Christmas, I just remember reading Luke 2 before we opened all our presents to get all this junk that none of us needed. We all started indifferent whatever that indifferent looks like. And then we move to, to interested. It's a cute story. It's a cool little story. Mary, pregnant, about ready to give birth. I'm guessing it was an unpleasant ride from Nazareth to Bethlehem. I'm guessing when Joseph says, hey, we got to go get counted, guess what? We're going to Bethlehem. My guess is, as faithful a woman as she was, she wasn't thrilled. They get there. You got this little baby born. And he's put in a manger. 
he's in a room filled with animals and the stuff that animals produce. But it's amazing to me that we conjure up this romantic story, but we, we get there, and it's, it's, it's a cute little story, but as we start to go through there, we, we go, is there some meaning to this? Is there more to it than just another nice celebration at the end of a year? And then we move to intrigued. Born of a virgin. Now, I remember when my daughter Casey, who's now about 35 years old, started to get to this stage. She was in seventh, eighth grade. She was in the back seat of my red Buick LeSabre. Now, I know you young people are going, a what? It's a car. You old people are going, ooh, nice ride. <laughs> Those of you in my age group are going, you had a Buick LeSabre? But I remember her asking me as she's sitting in the back stuff. And, and I, I'm a pastor at this point. I'm, a, uh, I'm following Christ. But I remember her asking me a question that had never occurred to me. So Mary and God had a baby. She wasn't playing games with me. Trying to figure this out. Shouldn't they have been married? Particularly for those that of us that are very familiar with the story that grew up with it. I think there's some of this process that we maybe missed out on. But born of a virgin, okay, what's the big deal? And the baby is God. But he was born. So you're telling me God was born. You're telling me God, the almighty God of the universe, had to be nursed. You're telling me the baby, who is God, God had his pants changed. This birth is foretold hundreds of years Hundreds of years. And the humility of this. It makes a nice little story, but in a barn? We got a move. Started indifference. The interested, too intrigued, too informed. And here's the reality. For most people in the world, it feels to me like the story of Jesus' birth has no more credibility than Santa Claus. Feels like to me, most folks just kind of put it in that same genre. The story we talk about at Christmas, and I've talked about before, Everything we believe and everything we hold stands on the credibility of this book. Everything. I've told you all before, and I'll still stand by it. If somebody can show me where there's an error in this book, I will walk away from this story and encourage everybody I know to walk away. But we're living in a world where people are making decisions, in my estimation, 
about the truth of this story because it's a pretty remarkable story without being informed, without objectively looking at this. If you're here today and you're in the process of really considering the significance of this story, I encourage you to look at it as objectively as you can, whether or not Scripture is reliable. If you're here today and believe the story and you've never looked at the reliability of Scripture, I'm going to encourage you to go look at it. It's what changed my life. When in my early 20s in seminary, I finally did the investigation as objectively as I could to see whether or not this book was true. The evidence for it is remarkable. It's outstanding. Why we around here committed to trying to understand this thing as accurately as we can because it tells us about this God. And it tells us about this baby who was born of a virgin. Gabriel comes to her and tells her she's going to be the mother. And of course she goes, mm, I haven't been with a man. Will you explain how that's going to happen? Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. Joseph is going to dump her. Nicely. Nicely. But he's going to dump her. Make no mistake. Because she's pregnant. We know how women get pregnant. Not in this case. Not in this case. And this truth is foundational to our theology and our picture of who this baby is. And he's God. Conceived of through the Holy Spirit, but it's God, the second person of the Trinity, who has always been God, becoming a baby, but he was always God. And as a human being, Mary gave birth. You know, there was labor, an umbilical cord, and all that other stuff. There was a real baby. He lived a sinless life. He never, ever sinned. Ever. But this beautiful baby... Part of what we celebrate at Christmas, the depth of the meaning of Christmas, is something that we don't always talk about, which is why this baby came into the world. The purpose for which he arrived. And to move from the in crowd to the really in crowd, we got to celebrate why he left the glory of heaven. He came into this world. To die for us, to take our sins upon himself, that we might get made right with God. And it's why these truths are so important. Born of a virgin. Now, I can't tell you theologically exactly how this happens. But the scriptures teach that we are all conceived in sin. Not Jesus. And don't press this too far. Well, this is where some groups go to, you know, the Immaculate Conception and making Mary never having sinned. Don't go there. But because she didn't, he didn't have a human father, he entered this world without inheriting sin. That's important. Is God. Why did this baby have to be God? 
Because what he came to do couldn't be accomplished without the power that comes from being God. I could die for you. Now, I'm not saying I would. It doesn't, it's not high on my priority list. But in terms of being able to forgive your sins, it ain't going to do squat. So he arrived in the world without inheriting sin, and he was God, and he's a human being. Because human beings had sinned. So if he's going to go to the cross and take our stuff on him, in order to accomplish what he's going to accomplish, he has to be God. But he also has to be a human being because we're the ones that messed up. He lived a sinless life. We often talk about his death justifying it. But it's not just his death, it's also his life. He actually lived a perfect life. He actually lived a holy life. That's how you're right with God. You got to live a holy life. The problem is, nobody has except him. This baby who was born, who was cuddled and loved by Mary, who even though she pondered all kinds of things in her heart, I don't think she understood this until she watched her son hanging on that cross. I don't think she really got it until later. One of my favorite passages is from Hebrews chapter 2 here. The author here, I think, summarizes in a beautiful way the point of Christmas. To move from the in crowd who's indifferent to the in crowd that really gets it, he summarizes. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, that would be us. He himself, Jesus, likewise partook of the same things. If he's going to die in our place. That through death, he might destroy. And my guess is there are some that are saying, ooh, forgive me, you guys at home. There are some that are saying, Todd, Save it for Good Friday and Easter. We come on Christmas. We want to hear about the baby. We're talking about the baby. This is why the baby came into the world. That he himself likewise partook of the same things. We're here talking about his birth. That through death, his death, he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil. And deliver all those who through fear of death. Lots of nasty stuff in the world. Lots of bad stuff. Complicated world. I don't know if you've noticed, it's broken and messed up. If it took COVID for you to figure that out, welcome to the party. The world has always been messed up. But of all the enemies, folks, there's nothing like death. This little baby, through his death, conquers our fear of death. Because through this baby, there is life. The one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. We know again the story. He rose from the dead 
to verify that that baby was exactly who the angel told Joseph he was. Joseph, I want you to take Mary. I want you to name him Jesus and Joshua. Literally, God saves. He rose from the dead. Prove that what the angel had promised to Joseph was actually true. He came to save his people from their sins. And faith in Jesus saves. You've got to figure this stuff out. Rooted in the truth of who Jesus is and what he did. And then this simple solution that's so simple, lots of people can't get there. If I simply trust Christ, everything he did on the cross is applied to me. Everything. Certainly I have to bring something to it more. I've got to do some work. I've got to do some effort. Nothing's free. The gift of this baby. So hopefully then we move to introspective. Am I a sinner? Let me answer that from the scriptures. Yes. Every one of us. Well, I'm not as bad as you know some of the folks. Just look around here. We got some people who live some nasty lives. God is holy and just and righteous and loving. Just one sin disqualifies us from receiving his love. Just one. But the introspective part of this is not just acknowledging the truth. What I'm talking about here is we process that you get to this point where you go, I'm in trouble. I think you get the sense from me that my concern is that there may be folks who hold this stuff intellectually, but it's not penetrated our heart. But we look at the Holy God and we go, oh my, and yet he loves us. And yet he loves us. Do I really treasure that baby? Do I really trust that baby? And then we move to being part of the in crowd. Folks, I don't care what your heritage is, we all start indifferent. Maybe different paths, but if those folks are going to be in heaven from that original end, and I think, I hope so, because I want to be able to have this visit and go, so you were close. How in the world did God finally draw you to himself? You were in a room that Jesus couldn't have. How did you figure it out? How did God work in your life to get you there? Come invested after we figure it out. We treasure Jesus because we look at the world and all the challenges and all the joys out there and we go, there is nothing better than this baby. And we may be familiar with the story, 
But every year when we ponder it, we're more excited about Jesus than our family gatherings. I'm going out east to see my daughter and her family. We were going to go see the Rockets. They got canceled. Oh, I cannot get over my disappointment, and nothing will replace the disappointment, but instead we're going to the Knicks game. <laughs> I'm going to Madison game, God. Oh, but it won't be the Rockets, you understand. Lord bless my wife, and I'm grateful she's not here today to hear any of this. We move forward and we treasure Jesus, and Christmas ought to be a great time with family and friends. Hope you get everything for which you were counting on this Christmas. This joy of Jesus is better than any of that. We get invigorated. We're redeemed. Take this journey. And though we contemplate it either and later in life, all our sins went on this baby. This innocent little baby. He grew up and took all our stuff, all our guilt. I don't know about you, but I've made mistakes in my life. I continue to behave in ways that I don't love. I'm daily reminded of the love of this baby. Oh, and what he did that I could be set free from all guilt, from all shame. Carry none of it. adopted, Paul says in Ephesians, transformed from children of wrath into his children. Many of you know, Julie and I have four kids, the youngest of, of whom is adopted. My daughter Casey and her husband David have four kids, and the three oldest are adopted. I love the formal adoption process. When you finally get before the judge, here's the best part. When the judge looks, this instance, my kids, and says this, these adopted kids, they have every right and privilege, every one, of any child. children of God for pity's sakes. Have you looked at the cosmos? Sharing in that inheritance is a pretty big deal. And we get to share in that inheritance because of the baby. Every bit of it. And the glory that is God and is Christ one day we're going to share in that. And beyond that, we're indwelt by the Holy Spirit once we come to treasure Christ. The Spirit of the living God. The same Spirit that impregnated Mary comes to dwell in us. Now, I know life is hard, and sometimes it may feel like he is not there at all. But if you treasure Christ, here's what I promise you. He is there. And he's working drawing us to Jesus, filling us with hope, helping us appreciate the meaning of Christmas, even though I've been hearing this story for 63 years. 
I love it more this year than last. Because there's nothing like the love of God. And we're intentional. Deliberately devoted to growing in Jesus. Now, I tell you, we have had more distractions, it feels like, in the last couple of years than we have ever had. Distractions, it feels like, God's intent is that these distractions would actually draw us to himself. These frustrations, these heartaches, these more challenging circumstances, God's saying, I'm here. Come to me. Those of us who get who the baby is, we're going to work, we're providing for our family, we're doing all this other stuff, but we're sitting here growing. There is nothing better than growing in my relationship with Jesus to make me happier. Nothing. The new car was nice. If you want a new car this Christmas, I hope you get one. It's really fun for a few days. I don't know if you've noticed, but I know if you just get the right pair of shoes, oh, it's going to be a perfect Christmas. Got to look and see what I'm wearing today. We got all these things that God intends for us to enjoy. But those who are on this in crowd, here's what they get. Nothing better than the baby. Nothing better than Jesus. We got to give them away. Because it's just so good. We're trying to live our life in a way. We've been looking at this all through 1 Corinthians. Paul's been encouraging the church of Corinth and us. We want to live in a way where we're considering how we live is interpreted by others. Those in the church, those outside the church. Primary characteristic, if you're not sure, go back and read 1 Corinthians 13. Love. Yeah, what I appreciate is what Paul says there. We can get our theology right, but if we're not promoting our theology in love, we're just irritating. We live in a way that those who love Christ and those who don't will be encouraged to love him more. And we just become infectious. Because the joy of Jesus fills us. I've never met anybody yet who doesn't face regularly challenges in life. And you guys understand, I'm stinking old. So if there's anybody in here that had the opportunity to meet somebody that's not dealing with tough stuff, I think it would be me because I got a lot of years and I meet a lot of people. I've never met anybody yet that's not facing difficulty. joy of Jesus. It sustains us. It fills us. It encourages us day in and day out. And our joy compels others to investigate Jesus. Because they look at the challenges we're facing in life and they go, how are you not overwhelmed with the circumstances that have either overwhelmed them or would overwhelm them? We go, I got this Jesus guy that I hang with. A baby that was born. A baby whose birth we celebrate. There is nothing better. No one better than that Jesus. 
That's what explains why you get this sense of joy from me. Life's not easy. I'm not going to pretend it is. But, ah, the love of Jesus fills me. So here's what I want you to do. Three things I'm going to suggest between now and Christmas, which is Saturday. The first one. Whenever you walk in to your home, your apartment, for some of you it's hitting a garage door button and driving in. You understand where I'm going here? Wherever you go in, every time you go in, to wherever it is you abide, between now and Saturday, here's what I'm going to encourage you to do. Lord, thanks for moving me from that one in crowd to the in crowd. Thanks for welcoming me to your home. Thanks through the life of this baby taking me in. Second thing, here's just a few of the Christmas cards we've gotten this year. Thank you for sending those to Julie and me. Thank you to the people who continue to send them, though you never get anything back. I just want to make clear, if you don't get something back, it's not because you're not on our list. It's because we don't actually have a list. And we don't send anything out at Christmas. But thank you. We, we hear from friends, man, going back decades. And it's fun to get a little story of their life. Here's what I'm going to encourage you. The second thing. First of all, when you go in, thank you for moving in. Second thing. When you read these about people, pray for the family. You read the card. Here's one. Soleil's. Friends from... Oh, 30 years ago. Um, pray for that family. And pray that they would have a great Christmas and the depth and the meaning of Christmas would, uh, would, 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 would touch their hearts uh, a, a, a little more. Third thing. Pick one of the people from whom you got one of these things who your senses doesn't get the meaning of Christmas, and reach out to them in the next few days. Phone call, text, stop by with a plate of cookies, something. Every one of us has a story to tell. There are folks right now that are still in this in crowd that don't get it. Let's be instruments of God's grace and joy. Whatever it is, take them to coffee and see if you don't get an opportunity to tell a little bit of your story with Jesus that Jesus might become more a part of their story. Father, you are so good and you love us so much. When we contemplate, oh, Father, the giving of your son for us, I just don't even know how to describe it. I got four kids, Father. I know I couldn't do what you've done. But you sent Jesus into the world, your son into this world, because you love us. Lots of things going on at Christmas, Father. Lots of celebrations, lots of party, and lots of gifts. I pray at the core of our minds and our hearts would be your love and the gift of your son. May these holidays be filled with joy 
And may the centerpiece of that joy for us, for those we love, be the gift of your Son. Father, that this innocent little baby would end up having such extraordinary impact. Oh, Father, help us to celebrate this child.